Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Unleashing the Kingdom with Susan DeBrew. I'm your co-host, Steve Pixler, and we are in the middle of an epic series of episodes talking about our latest book, which is Divine Dancing. If you don't have a copy yet, go by kingdombrewing.com, pick up a copy, or you can get it at Amazon, especially if you prefer Kindle version. You can get it at Amazon. You could buy it right now and follow along with us as we jump through. Now, obviously, we're not going to take the time to dig through the details of the book. We're just kind of hitting highlights, kind of the big ideas. So we really do encourage you to get a copy and to read along. Also, it will be available very soon on audiobook. You're going to be watching for that. Go by kingdombrewing.com. Check out all of the resources that Gregory and Susan have developed. The Daily Vitamin from Gregory. Of course, the Unleashing the Kingdom series that Susan has produced. And then also I have a book called Introduction to Unleashing the Kingdom, which is kind of the Cliff Notes version of the whole thing. You may want to grab that first to learn more about the whole series. A lot of great resources, a lot of great videos. Of course, this podcast and all the episodes going back now for years into the past. Not quite, but a while. So you want to check those out. A lot of great resources. Tell your friends about this podcast. It is your sharing this content with others that helps us spread the word. This is how the kingdom of God's coming in the world, and you're a part of that conversation. So in our last episode, as we started talking about divine dancing, we launched with kind of the opening portion of the book that deals with accommodation without capitulation. The big idea was, is that Paul was very much aware that they lived in the real world as it is, not as they wished it was. And they had to accommodate to the realities and the structures of the world as it existed. So when he talked about slavery or he talked about uh, women, he would, he would teach them to basically accommodate to the world's culture. And we saw that in the book of Philemon, as I say it, Philemon, as Susan says Phil- it, or as Philemon, 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 as the Jamaicans would say it, <laughs> Philemon. But anyway, so we saw that in the book of, of Philemon, as I'm always just by default going to fall back to. We all know what it is. To. It's okay. So Tomato, we saw that tomato. in that book about how Paul is sending the slave back, but at the same time, so he's accommodating, but at the same time he's saying, but we're not capitulating. We're not going to surrender ourselves to the system within our structures within our families within the church right within the church he is your brother he is your brother he's your equal and And you should treat him as if he's christ as if he's christ so not only when you're working together in the field but when you gather together for worship this slave may actually teach you the word Mm -hmm. this woman may actually lead the men and that was actually a scandal Oh, to the yes. Romans. It they was. thought it was just horrible that these Christians yeah. would allow women to lead or slaves to mingle with the free. And yet Paul was insistent that within the church, so herein lies a very deep irony. The church in its attempt to be faithful to Paul's teachings have actually inverted what he taught, flipped it on its head, and have begun to reflect more the systems of Rome than of the kingdom. And so that's why we're on this mad crusade we're not mad by the way we're not <laughs> no. but we are on this crazy crusade that says we're passionate about getting this message out why is it such a big deal because 
it restructures the family of origin, mm-hmm. which reshapes humans from their very inception and their development as young adults and then into adulthood. It shapes us. The family shapes us. And so this is why this is such a big deal. We've got to reframe how we think about women leading at church so we can empower men and women within their households so that children grow up in a different kingdom. They grow up in a different way of doing life. And we believe that'll change the world. If people grew up in a a culture where it was equal, where there was mutual love, mutual respect, mutual honor, mutual empowerment, mutual responsibility. You know, there was this sense of unity and oneness with truth as a yeah, as yeah. the barometer, yeah. right? Then what happens is you grow up in a home that's not fractured, where yes. one person's not wounded or limiting, you know, trying to... You know, we, I used to always say, if women in church are trying desperately to hide their glory. Yeah. God, you can't shine too bright. Yeah. You can't talk too much. You, whatever, like you can't sing too loud. You can't, you, you have to be um, seen and not heard. Mm. Like, you know, is the, the complementarians did a, a really a brilliant job of convincing women that this was their service unto the Lord. Yeah, yeah. That by by restraining who they were, that that was actually godly. And it's not. Um, there is a sense in that when you are in a culture, say you were raised in that culture, mm-hmm. and you didn't have you didn't have a way out of that culture. Say that say you were a slave. <laughs> say you were in in the first century. The women there did not have the right to say nobody here is changing. This is unhealthy. It's not healthy for my children. They're getting beat. I'm getting beat or I'm being used. And this is not how God wants people to be treated. So I'm going to go somewhere else. They didn't have the right to do that. No, they they had to accommodate. Like how else, what else are right. you going to do? You had two choices. You could accommodate or you can revolt. Yeah. And, and revolting, whether it's, you know, violence is absolutely in the wrong kingdom. But even if you were revolting internally, you were like, oh, I'm not going to, I might be sitting on the inside, but I'm standing on yeah. the outside, right? Yeah. It still doesn't release the right kingdom. Yeah. Because you're just going along and giving eye service, as Paul would say. You know, don't just serve your masters as with eye service, just when they're looking, you're doing what they want you to do. But actually serve them from your heart, from a place of love, as if they were Jesus himself. Yeah. And when you do that, when you submit in that way, you actually are doing it from a place of freedom. It has to be from a place of freedom yeah. or you're empowering the wrong kingdom. Yes. You're saying that slavery is okay. Yeah. And it's not okay. It no. was, you know, for the Romans to have made people carry their pack one mile and their packs were full of arms and, you know, supplies. And so they weren't a little pack. Like they had to legally, the, a Roman soldier could make someone carry their pack one mile. And Jesus said, well, when they make you do that, don't just go with them one mile. Go with him too. And yeah. he wasn't saying Roman occupation was okay with no, him. No, no. He was saying in order to bring love into the equation, in order to release the right kingdom into the atmosphere, you accommodate the rule that says, I have to go one mile, and you subvert the system that empowers that Roman soldier to begin with by going the second, by going the extra mile, as my husband would say. Yeah. And so... What does that do? So now the soldier who you're carrying an extra miles looking at you going like, why are you doing that? Yeah. 
I want to. Why would you want to do that? Yeah. Well, I, you know, and you just, it begins to bring you to a level where you are, um, even if it's internally, even if it's just confusion, whatever it is that you're doing to release a little bit of leaven into the kingdom, what happens over time is if we continue to do that across the board, we change the whole board. We change yeah. the, the power structures in society, and that can only be done through submission. Yeah. Okay, so that brings us to the word submission. Now, as we mentioned in the previous episode, the reason that we did divine dancing to begin with is because there was so much conversation and comment around the podcast episodes that we did about, but yes, yes, but what about Ephesians 5? Yes, but what about husband as the head of the house, which is not a biblical phrase at all. But yes, what about submission what about and so even though we had dealt with those concepts we did a lot in the podcast and and some in the the previous books we felt like that this needed to be a focus we needed to just come in and say okay let's drill down into the ephesians 5 and so the two things we really needed to talk about in ephesians 5 was submission and head or as it's most often put submission and headship which again is not actually a biblical word, but it's the way we have described the condition or the state of being ahead. And so we had to dig down into submission and head. So let's talk a little bit about the word submission, mm-hmm. what it, what Paul meant by it and what it means for us. Well, I think you've done a little bit of research on Hupatasso. I did back in the day, and so you're probably a little bit more familiar with it than I am, but... Hupotasso originally was uh, a military word, and it did mean rank and order. So at first glance, if you're not careful, you can look up the etymology of the word and think, well, clearly Paul is saying she's to be under. When she submits, it it can mean even to come low, like to come under, which we're both supposed to come under and lift each other up. Right. But the idea of submission itself is not subjugation. In the idea where Paul's talking about it by this day, it words change over time. We mm-hmm. talked about that a lot about that actually in the first series. So many words, like the word gay, for example. Mm-hmm. In in our culture in, in 2023, if I said that person was gay, you would not immediately think that person is happy. Right. You would think that person was homosexual and right. probably male homosexual. Mm-hmm. But the I but if I had said um in the first century, that uh, the word submission, hupotasso, you would not immediately think military order right. under. Right, By exactly. then, the word had morphed, much like the word gay has morphed, into to, to meaning something different. By then, it could be used in that context, but it was often in uh, common language being used to, to mean like joined with, mm-hmm. that I identified with them. Mm-hmm. When I submitted, like I'm... Uh, Gregory and I are submitted to the vision of Freedom Life Church. Mm-hmm. We are voluntarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we are fully submitted to the vision of the house because we believe it's furthering the kingdom that we see in the New Testament, that, that that's the heart of the Lord for that kind of uh, the way it is. And so we are submitted to the vision, mm-hmm. right? We identify you with You come it. into We're alignment with. Alignment. Yes, come into alignment with. Mm-hmm. One of the examples that we quote in the book was a. Uh, uh, an author named Eddie Hyatt talked mm-hmm. about how that the word hupotasso was actually used to make two documents match. So, of course, back then they didn't have copy machines like we do now. But if you were handwriting out a document, you would check to make sure that this document was submitted to this other document. That doesn't necessarily mean subordinate. 
it means that it is an alignment, that it matches up together. Mm. And and then he works a little bit further into the idea of how that uh, implied to identify with. And so that's a powerful idea. The word hupotasso itself doesn't necessarily always have to mean subordination or subjection, uh, but it can mean coming into alignment together. Then if you take that, just the etymology of the word, and then join that to our concept of the kingdom, of the fact that Jesus shows us what submission looks like when he kneels down to wash the disciples' feet, and then doesn't say, okay, we're now going to hierarchalize the 12, which I think, uh, yeah, Judas was still there at this point, but we're going to hierarchalize the 12, and we're going to say, okay, you six have to wash the feet of these six because these six are superior or these three are superior and these nine have to. That's the way the world would use submission. But Jesus says exactly the opposite. He says, I, who am your Lord and master, have washed your feet so that you would do this for each other. In other words, Jesus introduces and then Paul grabs hold of the idea of mutual submission. And it's this idea of mutuality that the etymology of hupotasso begins to carry. It begins to carry more why than... Why Paul picked that That's why he used word. that word. He yeah. could have used other words that would have meant subjugate, mm-hmm. but rather he used the word that did imply humbling yourself in front of someone else, but it also carried the possibility of mutuality, which is exactly how he started that section in Ephesians 5 anyway. Well, it actually, before uh, wives submit to your... Your husbands, husbands, right? Like the word submits not even in that. It's not in that phrase. No. There's no verb there. No, yeah. it's actually wives into the husbands. He's borrowing it from the previous the sentence. The previous sentence. It's actually part of one sentence when you think about it, it grammatically. It's the same sentence when it says submit one to another. Yes. Submit one to another. You all submit to one another, mm-hmm. wives to your husbands. So he's borrowing actually the verb from the previous phrase so he's saying you're gonna everyone submits to each other and wives to your husbands now why in the world would he tell people who were domestic slaves to submit to their husbands (laughs) yeah because he had just taught them they were free yeah he had taught them in Christ there is no male or female like in we're, we're in church practicing our freedom right but here's the thing is, is that in order for it to really work, it has to be mutual. So the yeah. husbands have to submit to the wives. But there's a lot of these wives who are going home to unbelieving husbands too. That's right. Right. So what do they do? They're not going home to husbands that are learning how to lay down their lives for their wives. Right. Which was even more radical, right? Right. The, telling a woman to submit in that day was, I love the expression I think you came up with it. It's like telling water to be wet. Right. Like, they were already, they were subjugated. Yes. Like for them to submit was already the way they operated from the day they were born. Yes. And in the household codes that Aristotle presented to the world, um, the, the impetus or the onus, the responsibility was on the man to make sure his wife was submitted. To control her. That's right. So when, when Aristotle writes the household codes, it isn't, women, you be sure and submit to your husbands. No, he says, husbands, make sure your wives submit. So Paul flips it, which is one of the coolest things in the Bible. 
He flips the whole thing, does never commands the man to make sure his wife is submitted, but rather speaks to the woman because she's now free in Christ. she's powerful now. She's free in Christ, but he says, okay, I know you're free in Christ. However, you're still living in the real world as it is, not as we wish it was. So here's what you have to do. You have to freely submit so that your free choice to submit actually subverts the system that requires your subjugation. And you're not just going along. No. You're actually doing it as unto Christ. You're not just going along with the law of the land. That's right. And with eye service. Which means you're destroying it from the inside out. From the inside. (laughs) You're releasing the leaven of the kingdom into power structures that are dominating and subjecting people. And and now you are you're entering into that world and releasing a different kingdom. Yes. And it actually is subversive without being manipulative and without demanding your own way. Because either one of those is the wrong kingdom, even though you're saying, but I'm right. God doesn't want this. That's still the wrong kingdom. Yeah. And you know, it's easy to, to try to idealize that. I'm sure they got it wrong. I'm sure that was messy. I'm sure there were times when, you know, well, I know they did. First Corinthians, obviously, the freedom they had in Christ became chaos. So Paul had to come back in and teach some order. You know, no, 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 hang on a second. I know everybody can prophesy, but we need to try to have some order here. So I'm sure that in that ebb and flow of the kingdom coming in the world, there were times they got it wrong. They didn't do it perfectly. And yet somehow through all that imperfect mess, God still has been working out the leaven of the kingdom for 2,000 years now, and it's taken a long time yeah. for us to get where we are now, where this conversation is even possible. We wouldn't have had this conversation 100 years ago even. That's right. I, you would have thought of me as, well, you, might, you wouldn't have thought of me as a lesser being, but you would have thought of me as being less capable. Well, or out of your place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I out mean, of your place. I just I won the right to vote 102 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's in, in the scope of human history that's nothing. It's a it's, it's a, a blip. It's a blip on the, the historical scale. But we're making so everything in the kingdom not only does it come gradually, but I believe it comes exponentially. So we're picking up momentum. Yes. Like I really believe like even just if you think of the way the technology has spread, information and everything else, like it is actually coming faster and faster yes, and faster. Yes, it is. And another thing that's huge mm-hmm. that that stopped the equality of men and women was the institutionalization of the church. Yeah. When the church became institutionalized, then again, it hierarchalized power, which then gave men the incentive to once again suppress the women. That is why we have institutional churches where women cannot be priests. Right. Or in, yes. And we have, we have some institutional churches where they don't believe they're institutional and they allow women to speak from the pulpit or whatever, but at home, There's, but there's still a ceiling. There's usually a ceiling. And if there's yeah. not a ceiling in the in the church itself, she has to be under the covering of her husband. Yes. So there's still some for, form of uh, subordination. Yeah. And there's really no true... And as long as one is, is under the other or secondary to the other, there can be no true unity. You can't have unity without equality. And so with him saying to submit, he's not saying that, that I think that these these systems are just. He's not saying, I think that, that submitting to your husband, if they, if they are an unbeliever and they believe that they're over you and they're treating you like you're, 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 you're slave, you're still submitting to that. Yeah. If your husband is a believer and he is truly loving you like Christ loves the church, you still submit to them. Mm-hmm. Why? Because his submission is a yielding of oneself to another. It's hupotasso, right? It's joining with and identifying with them. I'm laying my life down for them. And in turn, 
Paul says to the husbands, lay down your lives for your wives like Christ laid down his life for the church. And so it becomes this beautiful circular reciprocal force like that's in the Trinity, right? Where there's mutual love, there's mutual respect. And then we actually begin to generate the force of the kingdom, the love of the kingdom that propels it forward. And I really believe that, you know, the more I'm healed, the more I'm whole, the more I have the capacity to, to lay my life down for Gregory without fearing whether or not I'm going to get it in return. Yeah. And, and, and uh, I hate to keep bringing up my former marriage sometimes, but the truth of the matter was, is that I did submit in, even in releasing the power of the kingdom into the atmosphere, it could not manipulate him to do it any uh, a way that he was unwilling, right? He had his, I honestly believe that the Lord gave him 20 years, like in 10 years of us really understanding it, of, of, of choosing. And then the day came where time was up yeah, and, and I was free. Yeah. And, and I would love to be able to say, you know, for a while you, you begin to feel like, well, maybe I didn't love enough or maybe I didn't submit enough or what, and that's just not true. Right. The truth of the matter was, is that in, in God loved my ex so much. He wanted him. to have an opportunity to have the leaven of the kingdom permeate his heart. He truly did. And I, I believe it had every, it wasn't the fault of the gospel, right? The gospel was well able, but in order for it to be true gospel, it has to have that element of freedom without manipulation. Yeah. And so he was free to choose not to. Yeah. Yeah. And that God respects that choice and he can just continue to work with people through those choices. Mm -hmm. Now, in the book, we, we talk about, first of all, the definition of hupotasso, what the word means, and then we talk about the fact that it's mutual. We look at the text in Ephesians 5, and we talk about it opens up with submit to one another. If the word submission meant subjugation, <laughs> that would be a very awkward experience for everybody trying to subjugate to one another. Yeah. You can't do that if yeah. someone has to be in charge and someone right. has to be By controlled. definition, subjugation, one has to be over the one other. One has to be over the other. So it, so it can't, can't be mutual. Right. So the fact that submission is mutual redefines our concept of submission. Mm-hmm. And then we talk about the husband, we go out of that mutual submission idea, and we talk about husbands submitting to wives, and we recognize that's a controversial idea. A lot of complementarians are very horrified that you would say that the man must also submit to his wife. So they would say that the mutual submission is in this general Christians at church. You know, we're all believers. We submit to one another in this general sense. But at home, the wives must Submit, but that means you have to switch horses in the middle of the stream. You have to change what submission means. So, submission mutual at church is what, you know, is this everyone's loving one another, everyone's looking out for each other's best interest. But then you go home, and all of a sudden, submission means subjugation. So, you have to change the meaning of the word. The problem with that is Paul doesn't repeat the word, he's borrowing the verb from the mutual submission phrase. Yeah. So he means then it's that... It's actually the same sentence. It's the very same mm-hmm. sentence. So yeah. he's saying wives mutually submit mm-hmm. in this way. Husbands right. mutually submit by loving your wives, laying down your life like Christ did. And in that day, that was very oh, uncommon. Oh, that was absolutely oh, yeah, unheard yeah, 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 of yeah, yeah, that yeah. anyone would... Mm-hmm. Well, that's why the cross was so offensive to the Greeks. Yeah. You say he's a king, 
and he was crucified. He submitted he himself even himself. unto death. Like no, no, that's why to them it was foolishness. Paul said it's absolute utter ridiculous. No one would believe that. It was absurd to them. Mm-hmm. So we talk about and and we talk about the um, the submission of the of the husband to the wife. But then it gets really interesting in the next chapter. We talk about the submission of Christ to the church, mm-hmm. and that can actually be very controversial. Well, it puts so a lot of the complementarian theology actually hinges on the fact that um, that the wife should submit to the husband as unto Christ mm-hmm. and that um, we that Christ himself you know like like and we that your husband is the head as Christ is the head of the church right and so if Christ is the head of the church and you're thinking subjugation then you're thinking Jesus is the one ruling with a rod of iron over the church, right? And that that's how the husband should be. But that's a wrong view of sovereignty. It's the wrong view of who God actually is. And that's why bringing truth to the table becomes so important. Because if you have a false theology or false view of even who God is and how he looks at us, how he treats us, then you're gonna you're going to... Uh, create human institutions that are twisted. Yeah, And so when you look at the life of Christ, who is the head of the church, and we'll talk about head in, in next episode, but when you look at Christ, who is the head of the church, does he demand his own way with her? Is she there to serve him exclusively? Or is there, he initiates the submission he is the stronger partner, actually comes to lift her up. Yeah. He actually lays his life down for her. And then through him serving her, she in loving return creates this, again, this yes. mutual circular thing where she now serves him. Which is the and divine dance. And he serves dance. her, which is the divine dance. Perichoresis, right. the life of the Trinity that we get to enter into and yeah. that our human relationships are supposed to reflect in that image and in that likeness. Yeah. So in the book, we actually take the time to look at how... How Christ submitted. Mm-hmm. So did he? Well, of course, the washing of feet itself is an emblem of his submission. He kneels down. Mm-hmm. And we go through the scriptures where Jesus said, I, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. So we go through some of those scriptures. We go through the scriptures in Philippians about taking on the mind of Christ, thinking like this. So we spend some time in the book actually working through how submission can be understood when we say the woman should submit to, the wife should submit to her husband as the church submits to Christ, well, then we have to understand what that relationship between Christ and the church is really like. Because if you think it's hierarchical, if you think that he's the ooga ooga, you know, head of the house, and then the church is just this mealy-mouthed little woman who's just submitting to the man, if that's your opinion of Christ and the church, you've got deeper problems than just problems in your marriage. Mm-hmm. You've got problems related to sovereignty. You have a problem with the concept of how God actually rules. And and when you understand that much of our misunderstanding about male and female relationships is actually distorted by our views of sovereignty, and a lot of that coming from the Reformed world in yes. particular, yes, where their ideas of the sovereignty of God is so... Uh, totalitarian. Like he's, his will is he's, being he's done on tyrannical, the earth. Yeah. Even to the point where he would will the damnation 
of certain people while willing the salvation of others and just God gets his Take way no matter what. Take a few verses out of what. context and try yeah. to make a theology out of it. You do, and then yeah. you end up with this view of God that's very tyrannical, this view of God that's monstrous. And yet Jesus is perfect theology. Did you ever see that in his life he did or in exactly his words? exactly the opposite. And he said, he if you've exactly seen me, you've seen the Father. Exactly and actually right. his mission was not just to come and die for our sins, although that was a huge part of it, right? It was to come to reveal the Father yes. because religion had so twisted That's right. who he was. That's right. And so when, when you see that, that begins to completely reshape how you see hupotasso, how you mm-hmm. see submission. And that's important because then that allows us to stay true to Ephesians 5 without feeling like we're violating Scripture, but it allows us to understand what Paul really meant. It, right. It, it really understands like what Paul was saying to begin with. That's right. Because you can't, you can't separate out the submit one to another, wives submit to your husbands, and husbands lay down your lives for your wives. Why does the husband have to lay down his life for his wife? Well, the, the wife already had been, right? Yeah. For generations, for millennia, now his it was his turn as the stronger person in the in the equation. He was the one that had power in society. He had yeah. the power. He had the authority. He was the one that had to do initiate it. He had to initiate it, and that'll bring us to headship. That takes session. us to headship, mm-hmm. which is our next episode. <laughs> Man, this is really really good. This is really yeah. powerful. It's very important. Um, we really, I don't, we're not just being melodramatic and we're not just exaggerating when we say we really do believe this message has the power to change the world. I do believe that with really all does. of my heart. Yeah. Yeah. So share it with a friend, tell someone about it. Um, if you're watching through YouTube or you're listening through podcast or however you may be getting uh, this material, share it with somebody because we really do believe this message has a powerful anointing to change the world. And it's going to happen through you and me. Again, go by kingdombrewing.com. Check out the resources. uh, Make sure you get a copy of Divine Dancing. And then give us feedback. We would love to hear from you. Most of all, release the kingdom everywhere you go. Be blessed. We'll see you next episode.